Today we're going to be continuing the book of Jonah, chapter 2. Jonah, chapter 2. The God who gives us second chances. Returning to the God who offers and gives second chances. We talked last week in Jonah, chapter 1, the familiar story of how Jonah decided he wanted to escape the presence of God and the will of God. God had spoken to him and he didn't want to do what God had asked. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to preach to people in whom he hated. He didn't want to make the trip. He didn't want to accomplish the task. So he ran and he fleed. But he found that God is there even though we would think we're far away from Him. His presence is omnipotent and omnipresent. It's all-powerful. He's all-knowing and He's everywhere. As Jonah fled, he found himself in a storm. A storm that was directly caused by his disobedience. Because of his disobedience, he finds himself thrown into the sea and ultimately in the belly of a great fish. And in that time, he begins to cry out and evaluate his life and recognize the consequences of the decisions that he's made. Maybe you're here this morning, decisions that you've made this week, this year, in your past, that have polarized you in your relationship with God, that have put you in neutral, or maybe even reverse Turning to the God of second chances. Jonah chapter 2. Have you ever been that place where you've hit rock bottom? I mean, you just felt like you had nowhere to go but up. Some of our children's leaders and teachers and workers will be going to a ball game today if it doesn't get rained out. And the, with the Texas Rangers. And there's a guy that's starting in center field named now, now named Josh Hamilton. In 1999, Josh Hamilton was the number one pick of the draft out of high school. He was considered a five-tool star. I can't miss. Above any other player uh, in the, coming out of the draft, any other high school student, either a college student, any other level, this high school student was considered the best of the best. He was drafted number one and began to play in the minor leagues, but it wasn't long before he began to make some bad choices. And to make a long story short, due to drugs and alcohol and many other things, Josh Hamilton didn't find himself playing in the major leagues. Matter of fact, for the next four and a half years, he didn't really play hardly at all. Matter of fact, his coach told him to go home and straighten himself out. And through that long journey, he continued to crash. Finally, until he got to the place to where he had lost everything and lost his family, he was living on someone's couch. Just a few short years before, had been the talk of the major leagues, considered to be potentially one of the best ever. But he found bad choices, did him in. And it wasn't until he got to the bottom... He said, I looked up, and not only did I not have any money, I had ruined every relationship that I had. 
I had taken advantage of my family to the place that they were telling everyone to stay away from me. It was in that moment I recognized my need. I recognized I wasn't going to just get better. I recognized it wasn't going to be just, I'll turn it around in a little while. I recognized that I needed divine intervention. I needed help. And so I called out to God. And I told Him I would be willing to do whatever. I'd called out to God before, but always just for help. Just so that I could get myself out of this particular jam. But when I came to the place where I was willing to do anything He asked, anything He wanted, that's when the turn began. And it was still a long journey. There was a man earlier in the first service who told me the story of a couple weeks ago of how he had become so addicted to alcohol that he no longer could function. He lost everything that was close to him. And ultimately, he came to that place to where he got on his face and said, God, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do whatever you ask. He said it was a very humbling place for me. As I looked in my, around my house, and all of a sudden, I was alone. I had lost a good job. And I recognized there was nowhere to go but up. So I called out to him. And he's now going to lead a recovery organization for us in the days ahead. I think about another man who will be in the next service who found himself in federal prison at just 19 years of age because of drugs, because of theft. And he said, you know, I finally came to the place after multiple offenses where I recognized, God, I need you, and I'm willing to do whatever you ask. Think of another man in our church who, when he was seven or eight years old, his mother left. His father was an alcoholic. And by the time he was 12, he was raising him and his little brother by himself. His father would be gone at weeks at a time. And he said, you know, I knew that there had to be something else more than what I was being exposed to. And there was a family who began to take us to church when I was just a teenager. And God, I recognized, was what I needed. And I reached out to Him, and He changed my life. See, it doesn't matter if you have made the choices that have caused the circumstances that you lived in, or if someone else has made choices that have drastically affected you. The reality of it is, is that most of us don't really need Jesus until He's all we have. Until we come to that place where we recognize we will not make it without Him. Maybe you relate. Maybe you are on your journey right now. Jonah knew the truth. He knew the doctrine, but yet he had not come to that place where whatever God asked, he was willing to move. He was willing to go. He was willing to do. It wasn't until his world crumbled in upon him. It wasn't until he came to that place in the dark belly of a fish, in the depth of the ocean, that he was willing to cry out. Sometimes God uses circumstances to move us to where he wished we would be. 
It wasn't until he had recognition of what he had done. It wasn't until he came to the place where he recognized there was only one who could save him. It wasn't until the place he came to that I would, God, I will do whatever you ask. Much like the prodigal son. Remember the story of the prodigal son who came to his father and said, Dad, I want my money and I want it now. Typically, you would have to wait till the parent dies. But in essence, he was saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Why don't you go ahead and give me the money now? So being of adult age, the father went ahead and granted his request, which I often find is interesting. Sometimes, if we're not careful, God answers our selfish requests or he allows us to go our own way. And so... The young man left, and the Bible tells us that he went into a far land as far as he could get away from his father. And you see the picture how the father represents God. And while he's far away, he begins to squander everything that he has till he comes to the place where he is it feeding pigs. Here is probably a good Jewish young man wallowing in an unkosher, unclean, pen of pigs in which he would have never even probably looked toward in his early days of his father's blessing. But now he finds himself not just tending them, but eating what they would eat. And in that moment in which he realized, I can no longer manipulate my circumstances. I cannot buy my way out of my circumstances. I cannot get someone else to pull me out of my circumstances. He recognizes it's time to go home to the Father. He recognizes it would be better to be a slave in my Father's house than seemingly free as far away from Him as I can get. And so he heads home. And the Bible tells us that while he was still a great distance away, the Father ran to him. What a beautiful picture. God runs to the sinner who's willing to come home. And as he's coming home, before he can get the words out of his mouth, that, Father, I have sinned, I have fallen away, I don't deserve to be your son, all I am fit to be is a slave, Before he can get all those words out of his mouth, the father says, Kill the fatted calf. Bring a robe and place it upon my son. Put a ring upon his finger and sandals upon his feet. For my son was lost, but now he's found. New life. A new beginning. A second chance for someone who didn't deserve it. Do you relate to that? Each of us in here could tell a story about the time we received a second chance. Do you remember the time, for those of you who know Christ, when you committed yourself to Him? When you experienced and received the grace and the forgiveness of God and were given a new chance? Maybe even as believers, there have been times where you've fallen away and maybe you're there today. Can I tell you, God offers second chances And Jonah experienced it. You know, Lee Trevino tells a story about one time how he was playing golf and he was out under a tree and it began to rain and and, uh, he noticed everybody else was taking off. He said, you know, I'm just going to stick it out here. And then the storm really began to occur and lightning began to occur and 
he thought, I'll just stay here under this tree. It wasn't long till he felt a tremendous jolt. He was struck by lightning. And he said, I thought I was dead. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was horrendous. The shock that I experienced. And to this day, if it's lightning, I go inside. I will never again stand around outside. It changed my perspective about the power of lightning. And I want to do everything I can to avoid it. Now, this right here is called a defibrillator. And matter of fact, my cousin sells these. We didn't buy it from her for those of you that may be concerned. But you know what this is for? This is, in essence, a tool that helps shock people back into normalcy. Who help, it helps to allow a current of electricity to come into someone's body so that they might be restored, so that they may be renewed. They might be shocked back into life. What one man might seek to avoid at all costs might be another man's salvation. What seemed as a pit of death in actuality worked as a new lease on life for Jonah. Chapter 2, verse 1, From inside the fish Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and He answered me from the depth of the grave. And I called for help, and You listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All Your waves and breakers swept over me. I said I have been banished from Your sight, yet I will look again toward Your holy temple. Now, when the term holy temple is used here, it is speaking both of heaven, and the actual temple of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, of course, the Jews and the children of Israel believed that God was confined to that temple, that His, or that His presence at least dwelt in the temple as well as in heaven. And that's where they would go to worship. And so as Jonah speaks here, he's speaking both of the heavenly presence of God as well as the local presence of God. The engulfing waters threatened me, and the deep surrounded me, and the seaweed wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, and the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. Jonah here is basically speaking a song. He actually uses a couple of different psalms. As a matter of fact, four different psalms that are found in the Old Testament. And he begins to speak these words that he has learned probably from his time as a child. As Jonah speaks, and as he remembers, we see that Jonah begins the process of renewal. He remembers the Word of God. He remembers the direction that he has been given Athanasius, the great church father, said that the Psalms, or excuse me, most Scripture speaks to us. When we read the Bible, the Scripture speaks to us. But he said the Psalms actually speak for us. 
And that's exactly what most of them were. Most of them were the words of David as he poured out his heart to God. And they are psalms and prayers and songs that we can sing to God that enable us to express with our mouths what we're not adequately able to say from our hearts. Jonah remembers the Word of God and he returns to prayer. He returns in humility and repentance. We see the characteristics of brokenness that appear in Jonah's life. We see that in verse 7 he says, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. As I've said before, Abraham Heschel, the great Jewish theologian, says that the word remember is the most important word of the Jewish vernacular. It's because that word doesn't simply mean cognitive recognition. It means to embrace the principle or the person in fullness, not just in memory, but in deed, in lifestyle, even as you recall. I remembered You, O Lord, and my prayer rose to Your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to You what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. We see that not only is Jonah broken, but we see that Jonah at this point, begins to worship. You know, one of the things that I've noticed in people when they're really broken and they really start to seek the heart of God is they begin to worship. They begin to worship in a pure form. They begin to cry out. They begin to sing. They begin to read. They begin to think. They begin to recognize the blessings that are around, around them. They begin to have a spirit of thankfulness, even though the pain may be intense, as they begin to notice all that they do have. That's what real worship is. It's coming in that spirit of humility and worshiping regardless of our circumstances and recognizing what God has given to us. There was a guy named Jim Miller one day who came to church and when he got there, he immediately was aggravated. As he walked into the auditorium, he noticed that there were a lot of people talking. And as they had a time of singing, he noticed that the youth around him were speaking and how aggravated he became, wondering why somebody's parents didn't shut them up. As he continued in the service, he noticed that the musicians missed a couple of notes and he thought to himself, how unprofessional. And then when the pastor got up, he counted five grammatical errors that he made in one message. Imagine that. And then, if that wasn't enough, at the end of the service, as the offering plate was coming around, he was certain that that usher was watching to see exactly what he was giving. That was enough for him. So he got up and walked out, vowing, I will not return to that hypocritical place ever again. There was another man named Mike Martin who came to that same service. 
when he walked in, he was overwhelmed by the grace and by the beauty as he listened to people fellowship, as they welcomed him in, as he watched those children and youth as they sang. He wondered what could have occurred in their life at this young age. As he listened to the music, he felt a presence he had never felt before. And he began to resonate and began to sing a song of which he had never heard, but which he felt like beautifully characterized his life. And then the message that he heard answered the question that he had always longed to know. It was that day that he decided to trust God and accept Christ as his personal Savior. That day changed his life. Two men in the same service with a completely different perspective and a completely different outcome. Real worship is when we come to the place where we recognize He is God and we need Him and we must cry out to Him. That's when Jonah came to the place of deliverance. A little acrostic that I have for you today is called FISH. F-I-S-H. Though Jonah seek to lose God and to find himself as far away from God, yet God was there. And when Jonah determined that he had fallen far enough, he was found. As we sang the great hymn, Amazing Grace, Sir Isaac Newton wrote, I once was lost, but now I'm found. So does God desire not to wonder where you are, but for you to come to the place where you allow yourself to be found. God intercedes for us today. He intercedes on our behalf through His drawing of the Spirit. As prayers are offered on our behalf, God longs to intercede as well. He longs to impact if we will be willing to sacrifice our own way. To sacrifice our need to be in charge. Our need to run life our own way. Our need to be completely in control. Sacrifice is required. and It means coming to the place that we will do anything He asks. And when we do that, we become His. And for thus, for those who have become His, He begins to make us holy through the refining times of life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in need of a second chance. You need to begin again. God specializes in recreating and making things new. It may not change where you live. It may not change your job. It may not change those around you. But He longs to begin the change within you so that you might become that light, you might become that purpose, that you might become the righteousness of Christ Jesus. He longs to do that through offering second chances. Think about the Bible itself. Think about Adam and Eve who were given a second chance. Think about Abraham who determined that he would take things into his own hands. 
and that He would make a way for him to have a child and have an heir. God gave him a second chance. Remember Joseph's brothers, how they sold him into slavery and how they almost wished him to be dead, yet they were given a second chance. Think about Moses who killed an Egyptian and found himself in the desert, but God gave him a second chance. Think about David who was an adulterer and a murderer whom God gave a second chance. The Jewish nation as a whole, time and time again, fell away from a great and mighty God, yet He offered a second chance. Think of Peter, who denied Christ three times, but was given a second chance. Thomas, who denied Him, and who said, I doubt, who was offered a second chance. The thief on a cross, who had denounced his wife of living, who had never come to the place of a recognition of a holy God, who had lived his life in utter disgrace, receives the second chance. Apostle Paul, who made it his mission in life to extinguish Christianity, given a second chance. What will you do with the chance that has been afforded to you. Today, God calls and draws you. And it's probably not the first time. The question is, what will you do with the chance that's being given to you this day? You have not fallen so far. You have not gone such a great distance. You have not committed so great a sin that God will not take you today and renew you and restore you, if you will reach out, if you'll be willing to say, God, whatever you ask, I will do. If you will humble yourself and come before Him today, behold, I make all things new. Will you take advantage of this second chance?